Let's go to Psalm chapter 1. I feel that oftentimes we forget in the middle of our Christianity, especially in a church like this, that God actually wants us to be blessed. God doesn't just want you to be a soldier for the Lord, which is amazing. He doesn't want you just to be in his army and to lay down your life and be a martyr. But he actually wants you happy. He wants you favored. The word blessed by the greatest theologians who study the Semitic languages, who study the Greek languages, really have come to the conclusion that blessed means happy. That's your happy. Now, sometimes people try to play off the word happy and say it's happenstance and we should have more of an emotional experience called joy. But really, when you look at the word blessed, you need to see the word happy there because that's really how we would understand it. It's not a shallow emotion. It's not just running around denying the world is you know, falling apart around you and just pretending you're happy. No, the word blessed literally means happy in God. You're satisfied in God. And you can do that with little to no money in your bank or a lot of money in your bank. Blessings are not considered the number one, the number one sign of being blessed. Obedience is. Somebody needs to write that down. Blessings is not the major fruit of being blessed. Obedience is. So often you will need to be obedient before you ever see any kind of blessing come your way. So do not think when we talk about being blessed today that I'm talking about having more blessings. That may well happen, and I believe it will. I believe as long as no one's taking it from you, like as long as you're not being persecuted and you're uh, you know, suffering for Christ, if you live for Jesus, you will have more blessings in your life. You will see more things that are good come to your life. But first and foremost, the fruit of being blessed is being obedient. You'll see in your heart a steadfastness to the things of God because the things of God bring you emotional peace. And as much as we are taught not to walk by sight or live by our feelings, we do feel. How many have feelings? You have feelings. You feel things in life, don't you? When you get up in the morning, you feel a certain way about your life. When you go to bed, when you go through a hard time, uh, when you're working on your job, you will have emotions. Emotions are not what are to lead you in life, but they should confirm good decisions. If your conscience is not seared and your heart is working right, emotions should line up with good decisions in a good way, good emotions, and bad emotions should line up with bad decisions. Now, sometimes we feel bad over the right thing. Maybe we're making sacrifices. Maybe we want to eat that chocolate cake and we're denying ourselves and we feel bad about it. But you'll notice that in that feeling of bad, it's not a depressive feeling. It's a sacrificial feeling, which then turns back to being good. So in the moment, you doing that thing emotionally may come with something called sacrifice, but you'll know down deep inside that that sacrifice is good. So no matter which way you cut it, if you are born again, and how many born again folks do I have here today? Amen. You should be lining up your emotions with the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit should be leading your emotions with the Word of God. If they're out of sync with the Word of God, then pray, get your life right, ask God to change your heart, line you up right, but I believe a great sign of maturity is that your emotional state 
is in line with your spiritual state. How many believe that is a sign of maturity? That people who are continually emotionally out of control, but yet are saying spiritually, God is, you know, Jesus is my Lord, God is control, they're living double-minded. As a matter of fact, the most mature people you'll meet in life are generally even killed, leaning towards happiness full of joy. That doesn't mean that they're silly in denial, as I was speaking before, but they're even killed. They're not normally having extreme highs or extreme lows. And when you look at how they lean, they're leaning towards optimism. They're leaning towards joy. They're leaning towards peace. That seems to be their default position. How many know mature Christians that generally smile most of the day, that are at peace most of the day, that are kind to their even enemies while they're in traffic? They can have that much joy. Can you believe it? Or talking to somebody on the phone from Comcast, or who was I talking to this week that needed Jesus? Oh, it was for uh, my furniture warranty, Ashley Furniture. God bless all those people there. Took me about 20 minutes to speak to them. Chase, Chase, all the time. Yes, Chase, all the time reminds me of uh, uh, counting it all joy through your suffering. But most of the time, and I would like to consider myself a mature Christian, otherwise I shouldn't be a speaker or a teacher, rather, and be speaking to you today. Most of the time, I'm even keeled. I do have moments of elation, and sometimes I have moments of sadness, but if you were to look at my life, I'm mostly even killed. And those of you who spend time with me, I'm mostly leaning towards what? Leaning towards joy, leaning towards peace even while other things are going wrong. That's what we mean by blessed. God wants you blessed. God wants you at peace. God wants you emotionally stable. And God wants you to be happy in his presence and living for him full of joy. Can I hear an amen? Here's how you do it according to Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. There should be nothing in our society that takes you away from being blessed. Notice these things here. There are three things they don't do, but there's one thing that they do. What don't they do? Walk in the counsel of the wicked. So it doesn't matter how many people are walking where the wicked are counseling, you're not going. You're remaining blessed. You're remaining blessed. You're not leaving your blessed state of affairs to follow the wicked in their advice. Number two, you're not standing in their way. Where they are at that way, that wide and broad path, you are not standing there. You are standing on the path of holiness. You are blessed. And then you are not sitting in the seat of mockers. You're not sitting in the audience of Oprah Winfrey when she mocks Christ. You're not sitting there when the people say um, of any of these talk shows, mock the things of God. Ellen, you know, uh, Jerry or, or um, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, uh, Jerry Springer, any of these uh, folks. You're not sitting in their audience. You're not sitting in that college class accepting what the mocker is saying. You're not listening to a dirty joke or a foul person speak about the things of life on your job, in your life. You are not sitting where the mockers sit. You're blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Can you think of any other position in life, we'll call uh, sitting, laying down as well. Can you think of any position in life other than uh, walking, standing, or sitting? If we count laying down as a part of sitting, can you think of anything else? Walking could also include running, right? 
In every position you are in life, in every stage you are in life, whether you're going somewhere in life, whether you are making a decision to stand somewhere in life or stand for something in life, or whether you are sitting and enjoying the company in life of others, you are not doing it around the wicked, the sinful, or the mockers. That's how you're blessed. God wants us to be blessed. Somebody say blessed. And as the saying goes, too blessed to be stressed. We should guard what God gives us and not allow these folks to entice us into their path, into their way, into their living, which is under the curse of God. So those are the three things that we don't do. But what is the thing that we do? We delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it. You could count that as the second thing, but I like to consider it one thing. I am delighting while I'm meditating. I am delighting while I'm meditating on what? God's Word. So if I'm at my job and I see these things coming around me, advice of the wicked, I see the way of the sinner, and I'm seeing the seated seated position of the mocker, I am rejecting that, and in my mind, I am delighting on the things of God. I am meditating on what God has for me. Many of you are going to be seeing your family during Thanksgiving. You need to practice this. You're going to be seeing your family over the Christmas holidays. You need to practice this, that you're not going to go with the wicked. You lose your blessed state of mind. You're going to stay upon the Word, and you do that in your mind, and you meditate on it. You meditate on it how much? Day and night. How long will you meditate on the Word? Day and night. See, that's why for us meditation, and it, by the way, predates the, uh, the Hindu version of it, you know, the crooked chicken and all of that. Biblical meditation is not something you do for a few hours or, you know, in, in your yoga pants. Biblical meditation is what you practice in your mind at all times. Biblical meditation is always filtering your thoughts through the Word of God. They say on average we think about 20,000 thoughts per day. Just imagine if 10% of those thoughts were negative. How many negative thoughts would you have today? What's 10% of 20,000? 2,000 negative thoughts can go through your mind in a day. How many of you would say, man, it seems like every other thought is negative sometimes. You can have upwards of 10,000 negative thoughts. What are you supposed to be doing? Meditating on the Word of God. And so the way you look at it is, is you're shifting your mind. You're renewing your mind to the things of God instead of what comes natural either to your flesh or what is coming externally by people or the enemy. There are three oppositions to your state of mind. The mind of flesh, which is going to die along with all the other organs. The brain, the nervous system, that, that's, this body of death is going to die and turn to dust. You can become your own worst enemy in your mind. Then you can hear the voice of others, people saying things to you, saying things that are not true biblically. And then lastly, as a spiritual being, you can hear the devil's radio station. He can come and impact your mind spiritually. So you can be tempted by your flesh, by others, or the devil to take your delight off the law of the Lord. But what should you be? You should be in the delight of the Lord. You should always have the delight of the Lord. So where is your happy place? Meditating on the law of the Lord. Is your happy place with a cup of coffee? 
Is your happy place, you know, uh, doing whatever you enjoy? For me, it's wakeboarding, and I think I just did it for the last time yesterday. Everybody go, oh, I wakeboarded six months this year by God's grace. Now for six months I can't do it unless I travel somewhere else. Too cold, y'all. But is that my happy place? No, that's not my happy place. Where is the happy place? The mind meditating on the things of God. You want to be blessed? The Bible says avoid those three things. Do this one thing. Now let's see what happens. Verse 3. That person, the blessed person, the happy person in God is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Somebody say, whatever they do prospers. Thank you. You have a promise of prosperity. Sometimes people say, well, are you a prosperity preacher? Well, what's my other option to be a failure preacher? I mean, what are we comparing this to? If what you're saying is, am I a prosperity preacher that preaches you give more money to God, you get more money, or you're not going to have any problems in life, H-E double hockey sticks, no. Of course I am not. Can you all put that together? No, I am not. I am not a prosperity preacher. Hell is not a bad word. It's a place. Are you listening to me? H-E double hockey sticks. No, I am not a prosperity preacher, if that's what you mean. I am not Joe Osteen. My greatest dream in life is to meet him and rebuke him and help instruct him in the things of God. I dream about encountering these people. I can't even tell you how much I dream about it. But I'm not one of them. I'm not one. But if you ask me, am I a prosperity preacher according to the Bible? Of course. It's right there in the Bible. Highlight it, good sir. Whatever they do prospers. Do you want to be that kind of person? Yes or no? Are you the kind of person that answers questions when you're in church? Yes or no? (laughs) Whatever they do prospers. You want to know what that means in the Hebrew? Whatever they do prospers. That's what it means. That's exactly what it means. It means It means that your prosperity is tied to the obedience of God and his will for your life. Does God want you to be a father? Then he will prosper you in your fatherhood. Does God want you to work as a janitor? Then God will prosper you in your work as a janitor. Does God want you to lead a Bible study? Then God will prosper you in your work as a Bible study leader. Whatever you do according to God's will will prosper Now, you might say, what about suffering? What about the things we fail at? Look at Paul's life. But when we look at Paul's life, do we look at him being a failure or do we look at him suffering because of how others are persecuting him? He was a great success, wasn't he? But a lot of people didn't like him, so they fought with him and they called him a failure. But by definition, was Paul a failure or was Paul a blessed, prosperous man? Okay, but he got beheaded by Nero because he was so prosperous. Why was he beheaded by Nero? Because the Christian faith was growing under his ministry. God was using him in great ways. So we don't want to divorce suffering or persecution from prosperity, but we want to understand its proper place. How many believe Jesus was prosperous, but they crucified him? Is that a contradiction? No, they crucified him because he was so good at being the opposite of what the Jewish leaders were. He was so good at causing a revolution of worldviews without lifting a sword that he was a threat to all people that wanted to continue in their sinful ways. 
So don't ever make it an either or when it comes to prosperity or suffering. It's always going to be both and. You will prosper and you will suffer. There are Bible verses for both. But I want to have each one according to God's will. I don't want to suffer for being a jerk. I don't want to suffer because I come late to my job. I don't want to suffer because I don't do things in excellence. If there is any suffering in my life, I want it to be according to the will of God for the good of his kingdom, showing what the righteous do in times of affliction. But as as much as it pertains to me, I want to prosper. I want to come early, stay late. I want to be good at my job. I want to be good at my marriage. I want to write and be influential. I want to have a reputation that I am successful, even like Joseph, who was thrown into a pit by his brothers, then sold into slavery at Potiphar's house, and then lied upon and put into prison. The Bible says whatever he did prospered. Whatever Joseph did prospered. Are you listening? God blessed him and kept him. Not so the wicked, verse 4. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. That's the part of the wheat that you don't eat. It's a little leafy substance that comes over the shell. It's a part of the shell, rather, that comes over the wheat. When they would beat out the wheat, they would beat that, uh, the wheat so that shell would come off and it would be blown away and that just the seed there, just the inner part of the wheat would remain and that's what they would grind up and make food out of. And, and so we see here that the wicked, they don't last. The wicked are not useful in eternal things. In eternity, the wicked will be like chaff, burned up forever, the Bible says, in a fire that does not go away. And so we don't want to be like the wicked. They may have temporary success, but they don't succeed in all ways. Not only will you succeed in your family and on your job, but you'll succeed on judgment day in the kingdom to come. That whatever in the whatever they do prosperous is included, uh, what is included in there is eternal life. The wicked do not have a whatever promise. They may prosper for a season. They may do well for a little bit. How many know the pharaohs were good at building pyramids, right? Like they prospered for a little bit. How many know that that was temporary though? That now they're not prospering. Now they're not blessed, right? Now they're suffering, but you will not be like that. That's who you're not like. He says, not so the wicked. They are like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So we learn quickly that this includes judgment. This includes judgment. Verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to what? Destruction. See, the Lord is watching over you. Vinny, would you come, please? The Lord is watching over you because he cares for you. You're blessed to have a heavenly father watch out for you. So during this time that we're going through in this, time, in this season in America, where it seems like we're not prospering, and for good reason our nation is struggling in a lot of ways, where a lot of things are going wrong in churches and a lot of people's lives, maybe things that are even out of their hand and they may be good people. We need to remember that the Christian has their blessings in God. I am not blessed because my nation is blessed. If my nation is blessed, that is awesome. And I think we need to pray for the blessing of our nation. But how many know the blessing of the Lord remained on the Israelites like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego even when they were in Babylon? When you decide to be blessed, no one can stop you. When you come to Christ... And ask him to make you the blessed man because the only one who ever lived this perfectly was Jesus. 
When you ask Jesus, the blessed man, to make you a blessed person like him, this will apply to you. And should you stumble and fall, God will pick you back up. The Bible says, though the righteous man stumble and fall seven times, yet he will get back up. God will raise him up or her up. We have to make a decision not to attach our blessings to a political party because political parties can change. We have to make sure not to attach our blessings to movements. We have to be sure not to attach our blessings to buildings and religious ceremonies because all of this can change as we see. We need to make sure that we don't attach our blessings even to our own health because our health can change. We attach our blessings to the blesser and we accept being blessed and prosperous through whatever life he's given us. Could you imagine if you were able to choose a life looking at God going, I wouldn't choose Paul. I would rather choose Billy Graham. You know, Paul got martyred. Billy Graham got to die of old age. Could you imagine saying that back to God? God would look at you and say, you think I made a mistake with Paul? You think I wasn't good to Paul? Do you know that even suffering counts for our blessings in eternity? That Paul will have different rewards than Billy Graham had because of how Paul suffered. When we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, when the church is joined to Jesus Christ and we're preparing then to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years and it's, you know, started off with that marriage supper, when we're there and we're sitting next to the various saints of the ages in the church, there will be no one there that will say, I was more blessed by God because he loved me more. All of us will express the greatness of our God by receiving as much blessing as God could possibly bestow upon each one of us. That's why I said the blessings of things aren't the fruit of being a blessed person. It's obedience with a happy heart before God. So imagine you young ladies, you're there at the marriage supper of the Lamb and you guys are just eating your favorite food, you know, whatever's up there. And you look next to you and you see someone from the underground church of Iran. And she starts to tell you, oh, I was so blessed to serve Jesus. God was so good to me. Do you think there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you would say, well, how many followers did your TikTok have? Because that's how my friends determine blessing. No, you wouldn't say that. Or would you look at her and go, oh, you were blessed, so that means you shopped at the designer stores, right? Because that's where the mega church pastors, that's where their wives shop at. That would be so ridiculous. No, you would say to her, how were you blessed? And she would say, I was so blessed because I didn't stand in the way of the sinner, walk in the counsel of the wicked. I didn't mock Jesus. My delight was on his word, and I meditated on it day and night. Whatever I put my hands to do according to God's will prospered. And even when I gave my life for him in martyrdom, he was good to me. I didn't fall apart. God kept me. I was like a tree planted by the streams of water. And then if she were to look back at you, well, how were you blessed? If you responded back, well, I was blessed because I went to a nice college. She would be like, what are you talking about? Well, I was blessed because, you know what? I got to eat all the food that I wanted. I got to go to all these restaurants. No, you would respond back to her. I was blessed 
Because when my mother and father forsook me, God became my father, and the church became my mother and brothers and sisters. When I went out and preached, though they mocked and ridiculed, I saw souls saved and disciples made. I got a call from the Lord to be in the ministry, and I put my hands to the plow, and I succeeded in being trained. When we get to heaven and we talk about our blessings, we're not going to prioritize things. We're going to prioritize obedience and the state of mind that we had through our life and through the ups and downs that we were trusting God, that we weren't like the wicked, hallelujah, we were like the righteous, and that no matter where God had placed us, He was watching over us. He's watching over you. He's watching over you. Come on, He's watching over you. You and I are not alone. God is with us. He's with us even unto the end of the age. You are blessed. And today, if you are not a Christian, as the band and altar workers come, listen to me. Accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accept Him and receive the greatest blessing, and that is to be born again. That is to be forgiven of your sins. Because today, I'm telling you, we're all going to pass away. And every one of our earthly things we've done, earthly treasures, they will blow away like chaff. But you know what's going to remain? Is what we've done for Jesus. Everything will pass. Only what we've done for Jesus will last. Can you just pray while you're seated? Now we'll stand and dismiss in just a moment. But just where you're at, would you seek the Lord? Would you be honest with your spiritual state? If you're not saved today, you can't have an opportunity to be blessed because you're under the curse of your own sin, your own disobedience. So today, if you're not born again, would you just call out to Jesus in your own words? Say, Jesus, save me. Bless me. Forgive me. Be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. I believe you were crucified for my sins buried and rose again on the third day if you want to come up you can even now but in a moment we'll formally dismiss but just where you're at for most of us hear this today are you blessed are you doing the things of a blessed person if you're not would you make it right with God if you're listening to the counsel or advice of sinners repent of that say Lord forgive me for following what sinners say if you've been standing in agreement with what sinners stand in agreement with, their wickedness, then repent. And if you've been seated where people mock the things of God, not question in a, an earnest, honest heart to learn, but in a mocking sense, would you repent? And then for the rest of us who are not repenting, would you call out to God to guard you in those ways? God, keep me following the advice of the, of the godly. God, keep me standing on your word. Lord, may I sit and learn at the feet of the apostles from your holy scriptures. And then all of us just begin to meditate on the things of God. Meditate on the will of God for your life. Meditate on the word of God. Filter every thought through God's word. Don't let thoughts plant their roots in your life that don't belong to the things of God. Day and night, night and day, meditate. Find delight in the law of the Lord. And the Bible promises us because this applies to everybody. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, that we will prosper. 
We will succeed at Christianity and pleasing God. We will hear from him on that day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If you believe it today, would you just stand up? Just stand up with me and raise up your hands and say, Lord, prosper me in all that I do. Prosper me, Jesus. We'll dismiss right after this. If you need to come forward for prayer, you can do so now for anything that's been discussed today or any need in your life. But a few moments right now, God, I want to prosper in whatever I do.